1: I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. Thanks for listening. My guest today is Don Bunnell. And before we get to Don, here's a few announcements. First, our website is TravelTalesPodcast.com. If you go there, you can see photos of our guests. You can see stories that I've written. You can see stories that some of the guests have written. You can see links to the guest social media. You can see links to our social media. And by that, of course, I mean Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram, Travel Tales Pod on Twitter. We have a Facebook page. You can see links to Stitcher Radio and Apple Podcasts. There's also iHeartRadio that we're on. We're on Spotify, basically wherever you get your podcasts. So go there, give us a like, follow us, and uh, give us a nice rating. That helps people find the show by boosting our presence. That's a cool thing for you to do. I'd appreciate that. And if you think you'd be right for the show or you know somebody who might be right for the show or maybe you want to write me, ask travel questions or just tell me how awesome I am, you can write me at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. All right, this is being released a week late. I took a week off, folks. That's right. I was gone on a cruise ship for a couple weeks. I was out of town and it was the holidays. And quite frankly, I needed a break. And maybe you needed a break. But it's 2023. I'm back. I'm looking forward to a good year, hopefully better than the last one. And regular listeners know that I had a rough last year, in some areas at least, notably my health. It was a year ago this week, exactly, that I had surgery for my detached retina, which sidelined me for three months where I couldn't fly or uh, do anything. And you know, for a couple of weeks there after the surgery, I had to lay face down almost all day long, um, 45 minutes to every hour, laying face down. It was horrible. I had to sleep on only one side. That was, uh, that was rough. I made it through all that and then developed a cataract in the same eye, which required surgery, got that fixed. And in the end, it never really came back to what it was, which was humbling. Combine that with the fact that those of us who make our living in live performing couldn't be out there performing and traveling because of the uh, COVID and everything else. That made it worse. But I did get back out on the ship's In the summer, went out to Alaska and promptly got COVID and was quarantined and sent home. (laughs) So that's the kind of year it was. But the good news is I did finish kind of strong. I performed on the ship. I had to meet it in Cartagena, Colombia, which I had been wanting to get to for years But unfortunately, I didn't have much time to see anything where uh, I had to fly in and got in really late, got to a hotel, had to get the ship the next day, was completely jet lagged and tired and never quite made it to the old city, which is the uh, scenic part where I was staying was more hotels by the beach and it just looked like kind of anywhere in Central America. But I did want to see the old city and uh, so I never got a chance to, which was kind of a bummer. Did a couple weeks of cruises, ended up working over Christmas and it all went off without a hitch managed to maintain my health while everybody else was dropping like flies around me, not necessarily for COVID, but for just sickness. People were just sick, and there's a lot of strains of things going around out there. And of course, flying in the winter, and everybody's just crammed together, and uh, cold and flu season, things happen. But I made it through. And hopefully 2023 brings a lot more traveling and a lot more good health. Never take your health for granted, folks. I certainly don't. But let's talk about Don Bonnell, shall we? Don is the creator of the Swank Guide, S-W-A-N-K-G-U-I-D-E, Swank Guide. Basically, he stays in hotels around the world, reviews them, shoots amazing videos of them, and gives you his recommendations. He's got a unique backstory. He worked in the energy business for a long time and lived in mainland China for 17 years, followed up by a few years in Australia, moved back to the U.S., lives in Seattle, Works in the sustainability and uh, housing industries, has worked in companies, has started companies, sold them. So he's been around a bit. And you can imagine a guy like that who's traveled as much stayed in a lot of hotels. He knows what he likes. He likes smaller boutique hotels. He loves architecture and design. And he noticed that most places where he would go look up information on hotels didn't really have accurate videos and photos of the hotels. Sometimes they were posted, or quite often they were posted by people who hadn't even been to the hotel, just used stock photographs or whatever. So he created his own website and YouTube channel. You can go to swankguide.com, get all the information there, and you can follow him all on the socials. And if you like hotels, you're one of those hotel junkies, this website is like porn. (laughs) And look, we all know there are so many resources out there for travel and where to find hotels and where to read reviews and that kind of thing. But check out his stuff, because if you have the same sensibilities and you look for the same things in a hotel, Swank Guide is a great resource to have. So I'm glad I could meet him, and it was great to hear his travel tales. Please enjoy my chat with Swank Guide's Don Bunnell. Uh Don, where are, you, where are you talking to me from? Seattle. Seattle. Yes. Okay, well, we have Seattle weather here in LA right now. It's very gray and rainy.
0: We've got you Seattle too. weather here in Seattle, too.
1: <laughs> it's Makes gray sense. and rainy here. <laughs> Are you a native?
0: I am not. I'm uh, I'm a native, I guess, of Cincinnati. Uh, so, I grew, yeah, I grew up in Ohio and kind of that's where I'm from. I, hadn't, I haven't lived there since I was 18 or 19, but uh, that's, I guess, what I would still consider home.
1: You're uh, the creator of Swank Guides. Yes. So why don't you tell people like your elevator pitch, what the Swank Guide is?
0: Well, yeah, I kind of, um, I, you know, when I travel, I like to stay in nice places kind of like, and, and, you know, nice doesn't mean like, it doesn't have to be super fancy or super expensive, but something that's got a little bit of personality, um, some really great design, usually a good view and things like that. And sometimes you can get that for a couple hundred bucks a night and sometimes it's a bit more, but, uh, You know, I for years, I would go on vacation and maybe 30 percent of the time I was disappointed. And I was always like, why aren't there like video tours of hotels so people know what they're getting into before they pay for the thing and fly halfway around the world to get there? Right. It's like there's not that many other things that we spend this much money on and we haven't actually seen or touched before we before actually paid for it. You get to test drive a car. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, know, I was working on another venture and kind of um, we ended up merging with a larger company. And I was like, OK, this is a good uh, excuse for me to go do something new. So, yeah, I was like, I'm finally going to start working on this problem that I've been thinking about for 20 years. And it's like, why not build a YouTube channel and show people like what the best hotels are and Tulum or St. Lucia or Napa Valley or the different places that we cover. And then, um, you know, kind of do video guides and tours of not just the hotels, but like what's the best thing to do. And like just tell people about kind of the location and things like that. So we launched the channel um in April. So it's still fairly new. Um covered five, six locations now. We'll have another seven or eight coming up this year. Um, but it's all about like kind of unique sustainable travel, cool destinations, and like kind of the best places to stay and like walk people through. It's like, what what's it really like to stay here? And then I'm trying to make it all entertaining at the same time. So there's a lot of, uh, it was just deep learning curve because this is like completely new to me.
1: Right. So it was a very new channel. So I was wondering what all this travel you were doing that led up to this, was this mostly for business or was it also for uh, for pleasure?
0: Yes, <laughs> it was okay. uh, I was overseas. I spent I've spent about half my year, half my life overseas. So I was born in Europe and grew up in Europe until I was about five. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I, I lived in China for 17 years. Um working. I was working the whole time, but um and traveling extensively, covering Asia, um, mostly China, but doing, you know, covering Japan and Vietnam and India and places like that as well. Um, and then, of course, um, taking lots of vacations in Asia when I, when I was living there um, wow. and then spent what? three years in Australia after that um, and then moved back to the U.S. about seven or eight years ago. So I was I was overseas for a good 20 years in China and Australia. What
1: does one do for 17 years in China? Were you in the tech industry or <laughs> what uh, were you a spy? Were you working for the government?
0: Oh, my God, that's uh, what was I doing? And, you know, it's like. About seven years in, I was like, I got to get out of here. <laughs> what,
1: so what, line, really what line so of work were you
0: in? Sorry. What, line
1: of, what line of work were you in?
0: So I started out in the energy business, and okay. um, I was working for a couple large Houston-based energy companies. And then, um, yeah, I think I um, after I had been in China for six or seven years, I started my own company. So it was basically a clean energy company. Uh, We had a technology that we um, kind of took from lab scale to kind of production scale and spent 10 years building that company. Um, So it was a big part of kind of my journey in China.
1: Wow. So 17 years, uh, what city were you? Were you in Beijing or Shanghai or one of those?
0: Yes. (laughs) Both? (laughs) Both. I started out in Hong Kong and then um, I actually spent a year in Hong Kong before graduate school and then a year after and then... um, When I was in grad school, I studied Chinese and uh, and then um, but, you know, it's like I was studying with undergrads. It's like how much you don't learn very much studying (laughs) college language. Right. Right. But uh, yeah, 17 years of immersion in China. My my Mandarin was pretty good. And um, I was in Beijing for five and then um, Shanghai for 11.
1: Amazing. So I've only been to Hong Kong. I haven't been to mainland China. Yeah.
0: Very different places. Yeah. Right. Very very different places. I I always
1: tell people I've been to Hong Kong and Taiwan. So I've been to like China light, you Mm -hmm. know, I haven't been like real, real China, you know, know,
0: that's interesting. It's interesting because I kind of think as I think of Hong Kong and Taiwan being the more authentic China, really more like the places where I think real Chinese values and traditions still live on. and the mainland, being, I think, because of the Cultural Revolution and kind of the history they've gone through with kind of you know this one-party government, and um, right, I won't get into too much politics, but uh, but you know I think the Cultural Revolution and the Great Leap Forward is really damaging to a lot of the people in China, and it makes it in my it makes it a hard place to live and a little bit of a hard place to travel sometimes because I think. Um, kind of the kind of the, the the virtues from kind of Chinese society and um have been stripped away from a lot of people in the in the mainland let me put it that way and I think the people in Taiwan and, and Hong Kong um I think they're just more genuine and more friendly and I think they're more they're nicer places to travel in.
1: You think the people in the mainland are are mostly constantly looking outwards to other cultures and seeing what we could to do something else rather than looking inward and respecting their old history and stuff like that because wasn't the revolution kind of about wiping away the uh, the history kind of in a way yeah
0: but... yeah i mean it was um it's um you know, I, th- I think the what in in china um you know with a one-party government you've kind of got to like legitimize yourself and a lot of that legitimacy comes from making foreigners and foreign countries kind of scapegoats for a lot of things that go on right right the Chinese have a little bit of a like a love-hate relationship I think with foreigners in a way they kind of like are very nice and kind of very respectful and I think there's a little bit of feeling of envy um but then on the other hand there's a little bit of resentment and like you know feeling like foreigners have kind of screwed them over over and over you know for for hundreds of years and there's truth to that i mean mm-hmm. um you know the japanese were pretty horrible to the chinese um, there was imperialism by you know all the colonial powers 100 150 years ago um but the parts they miss, they leave out are that, um, you know, China was a, you know, they occupied Vietnam for a thousand years and Korea. So they've, you know, and yeah. what's going on in Tibet. So it's not like they've done their own, too. own sure. share of none sure. of us are perfect. Um, so kind of stop blaming us for everything.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, when you don't have a second party, the other party to blame yeah. all your problems on you you go outwards you know it's Absolutely. the other the rest there of the world go. is causing all your problems not no, you no, can't no, possibly no. <laughs> can't possibly be us but that mandarin's got to come in handy you know all the time and especially in business
0: it, it did yeah yeah for sure it's gotten a bit rusty because i left in 2011 so uh, it's not as good as it used to be
1: well living in seattle anywhere on the west coast you could brush up somewhere you know, you
0: know you <laughs> go to you vancouver
1: you can come down to san francisco come down to la you know you can learn yeah you brush up. So you uh did you start a family out there? Did you have one or did you
0: Yeah, I mean, um I my my ex, but I met uh we met in graduate school and then um uh we had two kids when we were living in China. They were we were living in Shanghai at the time, but um they were actually born in Hong Kong because the uh just the medical facilities were better down right. there. So um yeah. we flew down to have the kids and then came right back up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and wow. And how long did they grow up there? Did they go to like an American school? And-
0: yeah, well, they went to an international school. And then I think they um I think we left when my eldest was eleven and then our second daughter was nine. So um they grew up speaking Chinese and still wow. keep it up today. And uh um but yeah, I mean that was part of the impetus for leaving too. I think we were like, Yeah, it's probably time to get the kids back to the US.
1: Mm. <laughs> Well, just one more thing before we get off of China, but I was just, you know, the, the times you were there, what, t- what year did you come back?
0: Ooh, so I left uh, in 2011, but then I was, in Austra- I, left to, I was in Australia for three years. So okay. kind of took a three year detour through Australia. Uh, just nice. And then, That's and then, very nice. I think, uh, yeah. So we came, moved to Seattle in 2014.
1: Okay. Yep. So you saw Eight years ago, you know, over from the late 90s to when you left, I mean, a huge change. Massive. China. Massive. Huge. I mean, suddenly they had money and right. then they all of a sudden had a, a middle class, you right. know, that, and to those of us in travel, you know, we see all of a, all of a sudden large busloads of Chinese tourists all around the world. So what was it like seeing, having a front row seat to see that change? And all of a sudden it's like, we're communists, but we're also capitalists, right? but we're also,
0: yeah. you know, Weird. They were never communists. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and like in the, you know, the as Karl Marx or you know Engels would like call communism, they're nowhere close. There's a what's a one party system? They, yeah. It's just a a name they slap on that party. Uh because they're I think the Chinese are very capitalist kind of just
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, Turns out really they like happy. money like the rest of us.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um but, yeah, I mean, I think when we, I remember you know, when we moved, first moved to Beijing in 90, 1995, I mean, one of the things that kind of sticks in my mind was these mountains of of cabbage. So it was before, you know, like refrigeration was even very common in China. So like in October, you know, they would harvest all this cabbage and they would like literally be on like street corners, Um you know, 20 feet high of like this pyramid of cabbage. And people would come <laughs> by it and they would store it in like outside their apartments in the stairwells and on the roof because it would like lash through the winter, right? Without being refrigerated. You have to maybe take some of the outside of it off. But you know, it would kind of last through the winter. And so it was um, you know, everyone was still burning coal in their homes and um you go
1: from like bicycles to automobiles. That's right. Yeah, I
0: mean, right. And right everyone was still riding bikes, not everyone, but most people were still running bikes, so it is still relatively poor um and uh yeah, and um I actually when I was in when I was in graduate school i I did a summer program in in Shanghai um so that would have been like ninety three or so and um I just remember in Shanghai it would rain and like all the streets would fill up with water. The river just stunk like nothing you've ever smelled before. It was horrible. The place was just so run down. Um, and I don't know if you've been to China, but across the river is this place called Putin. Uh, sorry, to China. If you've been to Shanghai, kind of, the, it's an old kind of colonial town, you know, that um, and what makes it charming is the French concession and kind of the old colonial buildings and things like that. So it gives it a lot of charm that you don't see in other parts of China from a, I guess a foreigner from a foreign perspective, um, but you know, beautiful street, uh, tree-lined streets and things like that. Across the river, there was kind of these mud flats, and was a place called Pudong, and there was basically nothing over there. Um, and, and then I didn't come back to Shanghai for like five years, um, even when I was living in Beijing. But I came back, and it was like within that five-year period, this whole area across the river had built up with skyscrapers and clean streets. I mean, the place. And a just a five year period of time just went from almost nothing to like a brand new city. It's it was incredible.
1: Yeah, no, that's because when I think of Shanghai, I mean, the image I have is like this futuristic mm-hmm. city. You know, this like these, right. like looks right. like the Jetsons in the photos I've seen. You know, yeah. so when you talk about like old colonial areas. I'm like, wow, I haven't yeah. seen that part of Shanghai. Yeah.
0: And it's still there. I mean, it's one of the charms of Shanghai. It still has that kind of the like colonial. And I think this, the city government has been pretty good about preserving some of that. Um, so, um, yeah, you know, it's again, they're like, well, we were kind of, we were, you know, taken advantage of by all these foreigners, but they still left, left some cool stuff. And like, there's, I think, you know, both sides to uh, obviously, uh, <laughs> colonialism it's not the greatest yeah. thing ever but uh yeah but we I mean some institutions and buildings are left and um you know it's not, it's not all that, I guess <laughs> it's
1: like we hated the romans but we didn't mind the indoor plumbing
0: right you know, we
1: didn't <laughs> we'll keep the aqueduct that they built but uh kick them out and that kind of thing did the uh so going to australia from there must have seemed like a holiday it must' have just been so easy compared to it china was uh
0: totally different australia is such a beautiful country and uh yeah, the beautiful, you know, beautiful weather and you know, great beaches yeah. and totally modern and everything like that. I actually went to Australia to study architecture, kind of as a second career. So it was, oh. well, it was a little bit like a holiday. I wasn't working. Yeah,
1: <laughs> you weren't working. The weather's great. You know, everybody's speaking English, and uh, you know, the beer is good. Where, where in Australia were you? I was in Sydney. Okay, well, that's great. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. It's just- so, I mean, yeah, it's a, that's a nice place to go to school. If I had to go to a college town, that would be pretty good.
0: It was good. Yeah. I only made it for a year as an architecture student. I uh, decided in my early 40s, I was too young and too stubborn to be a student again. So I was uh, too young, I thought I'd love it. And it was like tons of work and just like, and I don't know, I just didn't enjoy being in school again. So I was like, eh. I stuck. I, you know, I kind of hung out in Australia for another couple of years, but I did some consulting and kind of goofed around so I was working the last two years but um not seriously hard
1: <laughs> right so uh, being based in Asia and Australia for so long you know it's 20 years of like uh, you must have seen just traveling did you travel a lot for uh for holidays did you get around what were some of your favorite places because I've been you know of course I've been to Thailand like five times I've been to yeah. uh, Vietnam which I love but um what are some of your favorite spots that maybe we don't know about maybe hmm. give us give us a good insider tip
0: you don't know about let's see
1: because everybody uh, knows bali everybody knows you know thailand and stuff yeah yeah
0: um you, I, I mean i i you know i loved going to cambodia and was a long time ago but angkor wat um yeah is such a beautiful place Um uh, and we were lucky enough to go there you know, it was more than 20 years ago now that I think about it. After the Civil War had just ended, um, with the Khmer Rouge and I don't know who was on the other side, but um so you know, and people weren't traveling there during during the Civil War. So um things were just opening back up and um I mean it was just a really special trip, I remember, because um we went to we went to Bangkok first. Um I think we were living we might have been living in Beijing at the time. Um we went to bangkok first and stayed at the oriental and um i don't know if you've ever been to the oriental in bangkok but it is like you feel like you've stepped back into the 1960s it just has this like cool feeling to it um it's a super high-end beautiful hotel right on the river which makes that fun it makes it fun too because the river traffic is just fun to sit around and watch oh yeah Um, it's a beautiful hotel but they kind of kept this like 60s kind of vibe which makes it really fun so that was a good introduction to kind of that trip and then um and then we went on to, uh, I'm forgetting the name of the town where Anchor Wat is, but Siem um, um, sorry, Siem Reap. Yes. M. Reap.
1: Yeah. I've been there. It's like now it's so touristy. I mean, yeah. it, you know, it's just tons of backpackers and tourists and like you can get upscale hotels. I actually exactly. stayed, speaking of hotels, a nice little boutique hotel whose name I could never remember if you paid me a million dollars <laughs> right now, but it was great.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that so that was and I think that's what was so special about that trip was um that it was before there were a lot of tourists there. I mean I remember we showed up at Wat in the morning, and I literally there were maybe 20 people there. Wow. <laughs> like, no, that's not oh no, yes, yeah. those days are cool.
1: long gone, my friend.
0: Uh yeah, um and we stayed, and I remember staying in a fantastic hotel there. We said the, the Raffles, which is kind of the premier hotel in Singapore, had a they had a um, one of the they they had a hotel in C M Reap as well, and that was just an old colonial building that they had done up really beautifully. So that was that was really special. Um, you know, a lot of things that a, a place that's not on a lot of people's radar is Sri Lanka. Um, right, I've never been. And um, India is actually one of my favorite countries to to travel in because it's just so colorful and rich and like different cultures going on and um the food's wonderful and the people are super nice but if you've never traveled it's kind of it can be a bit of a shock
1: yeah (laughs) i uh i ease people into uh india you know Mm -hmm. india people ask me about it and it's like you know it's a it's a hard place it's a place of extremes you know it's still there's a lot of extreme beauty and you know the history is amazing and yeah the food's good and stuff like that but it's still the worst poverty I've ever seen, and I've been mm-hmm. a lot of places, and um, it's just sensory. The cities get just sensory overload. I mean, it's just so much going on that I mean, it it can overwhelm you. I mean, my I yeah. always tell the story of my first one of my favorite things to do when I get to a new city i have never been is just no matter how long the flight was, plus if you're jet lagged and it's still daylight, you know I'm trying to stay up, try to yeah. get on on time. Yeah, I just throw my stuff in the room. And just kind of walk around the city, you know, just kind of just walk. And I had, when I first got to India, I landed in New Delhi and I got, I took a walk and I, yeah, that's a hell of a flight to get there. I went halfway around the world and uh, I was excited. Okay, let's do this. And I think I lasted about 15 minutes on the <laughs> sidewalk and I just went, whoa, I got to get, I got to, and I ran back to the hotel and just went. What was that? You know, just I had to ease into it. It was, it was just too much. It was just the sound and the people and the traffic and the, you know, cows in the streets and (laughs) then a truck and then a camel cart and then people (laughs) and the more people and beggars (laughs) and this. And plus, as a white guy walking down the street, you're just targeted (laughs) by everybody trying to sell (laughs) stuff and do it, just hustle you. It was, I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta take a break. Let me, I gotta ease into this.
0: Totally, totally. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been to India both as a tourist and did a fair amount of business there. And, and you know, like I said, it's a beautiful country. But yeah, Sri Lanka is kind of how I, I think about it as kind of being India light. It has all the kind of the charm and kind of the interesting culture and colors and richness of of India. But it's a lot more organized. The infrastructure is a bit better. It's not as poor. Um you know, it's tropical. There's beautiful beaches everywhere. And then they've got this kind of this amazing colonial history. I keep going back to the same things. But it, it seems like the Dutch I you're, – you're testing my memory because it's been a minute since I've been there. But I think there was a Dutch and a Portuguese and maybe a British kind of colonial period. So you yeah. see these different kind of – these different – um types of architecture around the country. And then of course, kind of, you know, the Indian slash kind of Sri Lankan architecture. So you have these different layers of design and architecture on beautiful beaches. And the, there's some really cool history there. And it was just like, and you can totally relax. I mean, you can totally go and spend a few days at a beach resort and get some culture all at the same time. And that's usually my favorite kind of holiday is mixing right. culture and a bit of downtime. Um, so uh So that was great. I mean, I remember when we first arrived, we um, stayed at this coconut plantation in this beautiful old colonial house that had been done just beautifully and had great meals there. But it was super quiet and maybe an hour outside Colombo. And um, that's one of my all time favorite kind of hotel memories is just staying in this beautiful kind of quiet place on this plantation. It was a great way to kind of enter into Sri Lanka.
1: Yeah. And the problem with Sri Lanka is, like, you got to just check the news all the time before you go, because you never know. (laughs) There's a lot of political upheaval, you know, just like there I want to go to and uh, Myanmar, which is Mm. one that was always been on my list. And then there was like a a few year window there where it was open and good to go. And then it shut again, you know, the military kind of. You just gotta you gotta catch your moment with those places. Sometimes, you know. I think, I think I've
0: been to every country in Asia except for Myanmar and Brunei. Um, Have you been to Spain? Bhutan? I've not been to Bhutan, so um, that's on my to list all. too. So I'll take those off the list. Uh, <laughs> but Myanmar was a country that I. You know, I probably planned two or three vacations there, and then never pulled the trigger because of political stuff that was going on. So, yeah, yeah. And I, I do have some friends who have been and just raved about it.
1: Oh, yeah, no. I, I've known some, uh, I've interviewed people that have gone, and they just said it was magical in a lot of places. But it's just, yeah, it's tough. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta time it right. You really gotta time it right. So you come back here. Are, are you out of the energy business altogether now?
0: Yep, yep. Came back to Seattle and um, and co-founded a, a sustainable building company. So I spent seven years, I think, working working on that.
1: Um, okay. Is mean, this for um, low-income kind of things, or is this like architecture of just like... We're, recent-
0: we're trying to solve the problem that there's not enough trade there's not enough trades there's not enough plumbers electricians carpenters and it's like you're on the west coast it's like people right. on the, on i think both coasts are kind of feel that pain of like just not having enough construction capacity and it's one of the reasons we have hu- housing shortages on on both coasts and i'm sure in places like denver as well it's not just on the coasts um so we set out to try to like build a system kind of a flat pack system that makes it a lot it makes putting together a house more like an assembly process rather than like having all these specialty trades. So um, the company is still around and um, and we ended up merging with another company about a year and a half ago. And um, so I'm on the board, but I was like, uh, what was my cue to step out and do something different?
1: So you have like an, an Ikea type house that even an idiot like me can build?
0: Uh maybe <laughs> a little bit more skill than that. Yeah, OK. We're talking about moving some heavy stuff around. So it's not right. uh, like putting together, but maybe not having to be an electrician or a plumber or a carpenter to put it together, you know, a bit of training and things like that. So it's still something that's in development, but some of the components are developed and are in the field now.
1: OK, why is this? Maybe you can answer this and you're in architecture and you're in all this kind of stuff and this is going to be sound like the dumbest question, but every time I go by a construction site, like a gigantic condo building, an office building, and I still see wood. Mm. You think with all these space-age materials we have now, it's like, wow, we still got to cut down trees to right. make buildings. It's just like, <laughs> there's got to be a better way, I would think, than cutting down forests.
0: Well, uh, I mean, it's... Uh... First of all, I mean, to answer your question, it's because uh, wood is the cheapest building material. Uh, yeah. Full stop. In most parts of the country, it's just super cheap to build that way. Um, so that's. But should it we be? Wood, but I mean, from an environmental perspective, it actually is probably the best building material. Um, so you're right; we have to cut down trees, but then we grow. If if we do it sustainably, then we grow new trees, and as those trees grow, they suck up carbon. Yeah. And so you're kind of when you're cutting down a tree and you're putting it in a house that's maintained, then you're kind of sequestering that carbon. Um, so there's a lot to be said. And, you know, it's like some of the most advanced things going on in construction right now are around mass timber. Like, how do you take you can build a skyscraper now using timber, no concrete, no, no uh, cement. Uh, and that's starting to happen. Um and concrete is super carbon intensive steel is super carbon intensive and then if you look at other materials like carbon fibers and things like that, is they're just so crazily expensive that it doesn't make economic sense so
1: i guess i'd rather see a tree go to a housing than uh, you know junk mail <laughs> so i guess you know if we're going to choose uh, and totally you know, and it's always amazing when you go to asia you you having lived there you know it's like everything's made out of bamboo and yeah. i had bamboo growing in my backyard in my old place in LA yeah. and I think we should make everything out of it because it's the fastest growing damn thing I couldn't totally. keep up with it I, totally. I had to like cu- I'd trim it all the time and I said we should make everything out of this stuff it's it's
0: incredible I'm uh I'm gonna give myself I'm gonna plug my channel a little bit but uh so the swank guy we're on YouTube uh <laughs>
1: Just yo, get all your plugs it. in. Get them, get them in. Swank, Swank on guide on YouTube.
0: Dot com. So it's just if you go to YouTube, it's just S W A N K G-U-I-D-E, just two words. But um we're just finishing up our Iceland series. But I was in Bali um in the fall. And um, like I said, mostly we're focused on kind of cool design, sustainable hotels, um, unique travel experiences, but you know, with my architecture background, um, I always try to do something on the architecture of. So there's a going to be a video about the architecture of Bali. But um, we stayed in a place called the Green Village, which is all which is made of bamboo. And there's a place called the Green School, and there's some documentaries about the Green School. Everything's made of bamboo. Um, so as part of that, um, I got into a factory uh, that they ba- they're the ones that kind of they process the bamboo and do the design and the construction for all these bamboo structures. Um, So that's going to be kind of in our video series of how that whole thing works. But um, the, some of the buildings that they've built in Bali just using only bamboo are just incredible.
1: Oh, I can imagine. I remember like taking photos uh, when I first trip to Hong Kong Mm. and there was a construction site building this big, you know, huge office building. And all the scaffolding was all just bamboo tied yeah, together. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> and people like, you know, that's all wood. They're like, what? Right. You know, Americans are just like, is that right. safe? Can they, what? Yeah. But it was, yeah, all of it. Strong One. and
0: flexible. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> it works.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. All the fences. I mean, there's so much you could do with it. Um, But yeah, that's uh that's a whole different thing. So uh, other than while we got your plugs in, you might as well say, okay, you have the YouTube channel, You have, uh, what's your handle on Instagram? And it's a swank guide on Instagram and everything else.
0: Yeah, I think it's swank underscore guide for Instagram. And (laughs) I should know all my socials. (laughs) Facebook, if you just go on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok. And um, yeah, that's where our short form content is. And then the website's swankguide.com. But yeah, it's like, we're mostly, you know, I think to give people, a real sense of what it's like to stay in a place. Like um, I think you, it needs to be long form video. I think it's, you, you can't do it in 30 seconds. So mm-hmm. I don't think yeah, uh, you right. can do a teaser, but you can't really <laughs> somebody like, what's this really, what's this experience really like? So like for all our locations um, like I was in Tulum in April and I think I stayed at 15 hotels and then we ended up recommending 10. So it's part of like the whole process is like, you think it look, you know, it looks great on the website, and then you show up, and you're like, "Really? Uh, this is not what it looked like." So, part of our process is actually staying at places and, like, really checking them out and experiencing before we recommend before we recommend them. So, um, we also have like, you know, top ten lists for the for like, you know, if you're going to St. Lucia or Napa Valley or Tulum or Paris or Iceland. Um, then we've kind of done the work of vetting all the hotels. And um, there's a video about the top 10 hotels or the top five hotels, depending on what, we're, what area we're talking about. And uh, and then separate videos for each hotel. So people can say like, there's no hotel that's right for everybody. But if you watch the video, then you can kind of figure out if it's right for you. Right. And, you know, as
1: someone who came out of television, my uh, thing that I always struggle with with the internet now, is because I'm used to shooting long stuff. Yeah. And then, you know, I got a 20 year old telling me, no, dude, you gotta, you gotta get that down to 30 seconds. I was like, what? You know, so in this TikTok world, and things like that, how do you, is there a time limit you're going to say on your videos? And you know, you say short form doesn't give it justice. But yeah. is there is there a point where you're like, okay, that's too long? What What's your cutoff?
0: Um, yeah, I mean, we just try to make the videos. There's a lot to be said for editing and making just as long as it needs to be. And I think our our videos range anywhere from like, for just a single hotel video between four and I think 10 minutes. Um, so, you know, simple kind of, you know, like we, we try to just not, we we don't just do fancy hotels. They're all design hotels, but um, I always, I I believe very strongly that you can stay in a fantastic place for one or 200 bucks a night. They're super hard to find, but they do exist. Um, But yeah, a simpler hotel that's not, you know, big and maybe just a few rooms that's a four minute video, but something that's, you know, a larger resort that's got like five pools and stuff like that, that takes a minute to cover. So.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Are you shooting all this yourself or do you have a team?
0: No, it's just me i've got an editor who helps and i have somebody who helps me in social media but it's so uh, it's me and a couple part time people so i'm that's uh and i think it's in the opening i was like yeah there's a lot of learning curves i'm getting up because i've never i'd never picked up a camera i'd never been on camera i'd never written a <laughs> script never edited a thing uh so it's all been like learning a bunch of different stuff all at the same time but it's been fun
1: no great i yeah. know that's like my whole background and yeah. you just walk right into it.
0: Oh yeah. Well, um it's <laughs> the I'm internet, still learning, man. I'm still learning a lot.
1: <laughs> well, no, it'll it 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 gets easier, believe me. So when you started doing this, I mean you say, okay, I'm gonna rate these hotels. Not rate, but you know, review these hotels. Did you have a like a mission statement in terms of like, okay, no chains, no no Hilton's and Marriott's and things like that? all independently owned but there's some kind of like there are boutique hotel chains that are smaller or and sometimes a big company like a marriott can do something cool you know with a hotel and suddenly so what were what were your what was your criteria starting out
0: um yeah i think the micro i mean the thing i'm looking for i think are I, yeah, I started out saying I'm just going to do small hotels that are independently owned, and the common theme is going to be like good design, kind of unique experience, and just like it's super subjective. But I think you know, once my audience gets to know me, if there are, people will figure out if they have the same kind of sensibilities and the kind of same likes as I do. I'm I'm sure my kind of preference for hotels is, um, it's. You know, ninety-five percent of people probably won't agree. I'm just looking for that five percent of people who um, <laughs> are looking for something unique and smaller. Um, but you're right. I mean, um, so I so I tend to do hotels that are under fifty rooms and tend to be um, tend to be uh, independently owned. But um, when I was in Iceland recently, um, one of the hotels we're recommending is the Reykjavik Edition. And the addition is um, uh, was kind of it's a joint venture between Marriott and Ian Schrager, and Ian Ian Schrager was the guy behind Studio 54 and blah blah yeah. blah, you know, and has done a lot of really cool stuff in the hotel space. Um, yeah, and it's a really cool place. I mean, it's a it's like a great location, like the design is just world class, and it's like I'm not psyched about. About recommending a Marriott hotel, but it's really cool, so it's it's you know it's if I'm serving my audience by showing them something that I think is that I really enjoyed and I think is beautiful and in a great location, why not share it
1: right now when I travel, I mean I don't usually stay high end and I really kind of never have, but I'm too old for <laughs> hostels now, I'm yeah. past that point in my life, and totally. Um, but I don't need five star either because I'm always out doing stuff, yeah, as well. So for me, it's just like I just want it safe and clean and and uh good Wi Fi and that kind of thing. And uh, but is there a price point that you w- arrange you stay in them because it's like people I'll ask for hotel recommendations at a place and they go, Oh, you got to stay at this place, and it's like right. $600 a night. I go, Well, I'm sure it's nice, but I, I no, it's not for yeah. me. But
0: yeah, I mean, it, I'd say that kind of the 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 bottom of my price point would be, and it, it's very location dependent. You know, it's like, for sure, if you're in Paris, it's hard to get anything good for like under two hundred bucks a night. Um
1: yeah. Singapore as well. I mean, I I, yeah. I remember there was oh, no wow. middle, there was no middle range hotel there. I yeah. mean, in Singapore, you're either paying five hundred dollars a night. Yeah. Or you're paying a hundred to you know, in a horrible I actually stayed in Singapore in the Indian neighborhood with uh no window in my room.
0: Right. <laughs> it was it was, yeah.
1: it was like a closet. It it was yeah. like a hundred bucks a night, but that was as cheap as I could, you know, anything lower than that would have been horrendous totally. and totally. frightening.
0: But I mean, yeah, like in Tulum, um, some fantastic hotels for 150, 200 bucks a night. Um, and there's some real Rap. i mean there's some really shit places on the beach that are like 500 bucks a night and you know if you're 18 it's great but if you're like right for spring break no way i mean it's like it's horrible i mean it's just so freaking loud and it's just like (laughs) it's just a mess you know there's this like there's different parts of tulum beach that are nice and some that are not so nice um but um there's parts you know there's hotels on the beach charging a lot of money for um not very nice experiences and there's like other hotels that are not kind of in the center of things but i think in the more pleasant areas and like or, or bargains and um same in iceland found a fantastic hotel for like a couple hundred bucks a night and
1: yeah and iceland is pricey
0: it yeah really kind of depends and i stayed at some place that was just outrageously expensive that was really nice but i mean it's
1: <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> but, yeah i mean it's uh i do try to find places that um like for every location, I think we at least have one bargain place, and often you know, if like Paris, I think we had three or four, um, okay, super cool places that were anywhere from like a hundred and twenty bucks a night and to up to maybe three hundred dollars. But I mean, I think for Paris, it's really good. But, yeah, but there was there was a, a really cool place that was like under two hundred bucks a night in Paris.
1: Now, how are you finding these places now? Mostly through your own research, or through word of mouth, or are they contacting you at this point?
0: Yeah, no, no one's because we're still too new and too young. It's like I was a little bit naive about uh, how long this would take, so it, it's right. taking a minute to build that up. And you know, it's I, I have a couple friends in the hotel industry, and they they literally get ten requests a day from influencers. Yeah, to, I'm sure, like, oh yeah, a free hotel rooms. So, you know, if I'm like can I get a free hotel room? They're looking at you know, He's like, you've got a, what, a couple thousand people following you on um, yeah. YouTube. It's like, yeah, it's just the numbers aren't high enough yet. So um,
1: I could bore you with an hour of that. Yeah. Right?
0: Yeah. So they're just, I'm not going to get, you know, the, the hotels are not going to be the time of day for a minute. Um, so, so you're, you're just, paying, like,
1: you're paying for this stuff. You're paying, paying for, for it. Yeah. It's expensive. Okay. <laughs> it's expensive. So, but also, I also, as someone who would, you know, use your guide, And saying, you know, you're going to review something if you're getting a freebie. You know, a lot of influencers say, oh, I'll write you a review. Well, you know, you got a free room out of it. I mean, how judgmental are you going to be? I mean, how how critical are you going to be if something is wrong?
0: It's it's one of the things we're really trying to do. Because I think, like, in the travel industry, there is so little transparency. And I think so many... So many things are gamed, even on TripAdvisor and things like that. I think so much of that is gamed. And, yeah, you know, the other problem with TripAdvisor is it's like it's a thousand opinions. It's like I can't yeah. look at a thousand opinions and, you know, I never people don't it. have the same taste levels I do. And they have different budgets and they want different things. It's like, OK, that's not really helpful.
1: No, TripAdvisor yeah. and the Yelp, I don't even bother with a, a bunch of a million people I don't know have, a, have an opinion on a restaurant. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I find one guy whose reviews I, you know, like. And I'll, I'd will i rather take his you know, yeah. or hers, you know, yeah, you know right. what I
0: mean? You know, again, it's not for everybody. It's just for that, you know, that I'll, hopefully I'll find an audience of people who kind of like the same things as I do. So it's not It's a, this is a guide for people who like great architecture and really good design. And yeah, but the Internet, it's,
1: you can't you can a wide net is nice, but, you know, you're probably better off with a niche.
0: And, and totally, I, it's like too many choices is bad too, right? Yeah. I mean, no, I've had uh, about 20 hotels. It's too much. In fact, I'm doing less now. I think I've kind of figured out that I just need to find the five, five or six best hotels, not the top 10. Yeah. Uh, Cause I think 10 is maybe too many choices for folks. So a couple, couple like more budget options, a couple mid, mid range, a couple high end, and that'll cover a lot of people. Um, but to answer your question about like, so typically Tons of internet. I've got like five or six websites that I like that I think take me, that they give me a lot of good, it's a good place to start. So I usually, you know, start with 100 hotels, get it down to like a top 20 list based off of about five websites that I trust, but sometimes none of them are 100%. Uh, and then I go to the place and I, like in Paris, I literally visited 20 hotels. And I had booked about half of them before the trip, but I booked the other half after I got there, after I had actually personally gone and looked around and checked out the neighborhood and walked in and seen what it was like. Um, So that's kind of the process is do a lot of research up front and then go to the place and then actually physically go see the places before I stay there.
1: Give me your uh, worst hotel travel tale in terms of like you got to a place and it was nothing like you thought it would be. And it was, horrible and any uh insect infestations any bed bugs any kind of theft mm-hmm. any kind of like that
0: the i mean the, the one that the one that like sticks in my mind there are a couple um we were in um gosh uh not cambodia and what's next door to cambodia laos <laughs> thank you
1: and in laos
0: <laughs> and um this hotel looks so nice on the internet, and it was you know, new, and it was like very stylish, but um, the thing they neglected to tell you is on top, it was literally about a quarter of a mile looking down onto a quarry, and oh. they would start about 5 or 6 a.m. and go till about sundown, six days a week, pounding rock. Oof. Oh, my God. Oh my God
1: yeah i'm sure they uh, left that off the brochure
0: yeah yeah that was so weird it wasn't on the brochure (laughs) Uh, so that was uh yeah that wasn't great um know, it's like uh have you ever seen bachelor in paradise
1: Mm, i don't think so it's horrible
0: uh (laughs) it's really bad but they um and we didn't know it at the time but uh this was like five years ago we went to puerto vallarta flew into puerto vallarta but then drove about um a mile, sorry, a mile, an hour, I can't remember if it was north or south, one direction, um, to uh Cellulita, which is kind of a beautiful beach community in Mexico. And it was, I think the, you know, the 26th or 20, it was right after Christmas. Um, and we checked into this hotel uh on the beach that looked wonderful and um happened to be the place where they had filmed uh Bachelor in Paradise, but we, we didn't realize that till like six months later. Um and it was just like nothing. It just was not like – it looked like on the website. And the construction, it literally looked like kind of Flintstones construction. It was like this kind of fake – I don't know, everything, like plastic thatch roofs. And it was just like not as advertised. <laughs> and I just – we were literally there for about 15 minutes and both on our phone saying, okay, how do we get out of here? Where else can we book? And it was just like, it was the week between Christmas and new year's. There was no yeah. place to go. We were stuck there for a week. And it was like, uh, <laughs> "Not." I was not happy about that. That was just like, it worked out. Okay. But um, yeah, that was, I, I never remember getting out my phone quicker and trying to find another hotel than that place.
1: And right, Well, the week is a long time, but if you like when, in a typical review, when you check out a place, I mean, is it, One night, two nights, three nights or long? It
0: was. I mean, I was like, so, you know, back to, I was, I was, I was going for volume and then realized that, you know, it's better to slow down and like do a more thoughtful kind of spend more time filming and giving people real feel for what the experience is like. So, um, so I've gone from trying to do like. Stay at 15 hotels in two weeks, which I've done. I did it in LA and I did it in Paris. Right. And it was like almost killed me. Yeah. Uh, so now I'm slowing down and I'm trying to spend two and often three days at a hotel to get a real feeling for it. Cause I think really to recommend a place, 24 hours isn't quite enough. And I mean, you know, the other shocking thing about being on YouTube is 80% of the channels on YouTube about hotels. The people have never even been to the hotel, much less the country. I mean, it's just like, it's like they got some video from someplace, yeah. or they just have pictures from the website, and they're making recommendations. Like this should be illegal to like recommend <laughs> something you've never even visited.
1: <laughs> yeah. Did well. There's also so many aspects of a hotel. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's almost like a cruise ship, something that I work on. Where in terms of like, there's the room part. Yeah. You know, there's the cleanliness part. There's yep. the uh, amenities. You yep. know, and, and the you know the little bric-a-brac they have in the rooms. There's the uh, the quiet. There's the uh, the restaurants and bars in it. Yeah. There's the pool and the facilities and the gym and everything like that. Um, so there's a lot going on. I mean, in one aspect of the hotel might be great, but then you get to the restaurant and it's horrible, mm-hmm. you know, or something. Or the room's not so bad, but everything else about the place, the room is stinks, but everything else is pretty good. Right. Right. So how do you? I mean, it, there's so much into staying in a place. It's like how do you? judge have you been the one where it was that extreme (laughs) where it was like okay the room is pretty nice but man everything else is terrible
0: uh well it's it's funny yeah um hmm i've had kind of the opposite experience it's uh, one of the one of the places i reviewed in paris and recommended was um it was a hotel on a barge
1: (laughs) oh okay (laughs)
0: The room was really small. It wasn't like, the room wasn't necessarily bad, but man, was it small. And it wasn't the place I wanted to hang out in. But the rest of the hotel was so cool. I mean, it was like on a barge, you're on the river. You know, there was like the the pool, the the bar was really cool. There was this pool next mm-hmm. to the bar. And it was like a really fun place to hang out. So, you know, to me, it's like, I really only need to sleep in my room. I can spend all the rest of the time in the public area. So I would go for like, so I've been to places where the room wasn't great, but the public areas make up for it. So I'm like, I don't care. I'll just have a drink and turn off the lights and go to bed.
1: I used to travel to New York for business a lot. And so it was great, you know, as as opposed to living there when I, which I did, you know, in my twenties and uh, was broke in Brooklyn. And I was like, but when you're paid to go back, wow, what a great city, you know, staying in, Midtown, but I would stay at all these different hotels and like, yeah, I had every experience in New York in terms of like, you know, rooms. Um, I remember staying one in Tribeca, maybe it was the Tribeca Grand or something, but you would go there and it's like a big atrium. Mm-hmm. And the bar is downstairs in the center of the atrium. Right. And It's a pretty lively bar. Right. So all that sound just goes right up, mm-hmm. you know, and we all hear it. No matter what floor you're on, you're, you oh, open yeah. your door and you can hear it. So each room had a little speaker by the door, and it was just playing like Shh, like white noise, right? Kind of drowned out the sound of the bar downstairs. Right. And that was another one where it, you know you open the door and it hits your bed. It's so yeah. small, <laughs> you know. But then again, you're not really in New York for the room, right? And then on the other hand, I, I actually stayed once at the Mandarin Oriental, the mm. new one in, on Columbus Circle there. Right. Oh, that was the only time I got to New York and I didn't want to leave the room. Right. I was just like, you know what? I'm getting room service. I'm taking a bath. I'm right. wearing that robe. It was amazing. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah
0: totally. That, I've never stayed at that one, but I've stayed at other mandarins. They, they yeah, but
1: that. how hard is it to recommend that? I mean, yes, it's it's amazing. <laughs> it's going to be, yeah, but I mean service can ruin no matter how much how nice a hotel is yeah you find like bad service or just it can ruin the whole experience for sure people yeah. don't realize when they're hiring that front desk staff mm-hmm. that's their when you first walk in that's the first person you meet and yeah. if they're not on it it's like ooh, that's a bad impression
0: yeah yeah Yeah, there was a place we stayed in St. Lucia that uh, I ended up not recommending because the service was just like literally waiting like an hour and a half for dinner. It was just like, (laughs) after flying like, you know, 16 hours to get there, I was like, I am not in the mood to wait an hour and a half for dinner.
1: Right. I mean, do you do things like full on resorts where, um, like people will say, I work in the, because I work in the Caribbean a lot. And it's like, oh, went to Jamaica. We loved it. And it was like, well, Jamaica can be really rough. I mean and did you leave your hotel? No, not really. <laughs> okay. right. Well, yeah. I'm sure it was great. Um, do you do those full on all inclusive kind of things?
0: I mean, I don't do like like a sandals and things like that cuz I just don't think it's um you know, I think the audience I think my audience is like looking for something a little bit less commercial, a little bit less sure, yeah. kind of I don't know how to describe it, but that's, and I've never been in a sandals to be honest with you, so I don't really know what it's like. But I have an impression of, I guess I have a, right. <laughs> I think I know but some, like. you uh, know, there's
1: some in places like Cancun or or places where it's really crazy outside the walls. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you can find a little haven in your in your hotel and you know, like Phuket or something like that. Totally. You know, downtown totally, Phuket, yeah, I mean, Thailand is is horrendous, but yeah. you know, there's beautiful hotels outside of it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, I, no I've, I've, I've. And I, yeah, I mean, I've, I've definitely studied places where it's like, you don't need to leave and you kind of don't want to. And it's right. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a place in uh, called Sugar Beach in St. Lucia that like it was just it was just one of those like it was a big place, but there was so much to do and so much. It was so pretty. It was like, I don't need to go anywhere for a while. Mm-hmm. Very happy here. So um,
1: is there a trend that's happening now in hotels that you would like to see go away? Is there something new that? What's everybody doing now? That's driving you crazy. Is it like we're off in the best high tech room? You know, a mirror that you know it's like a video screen. It's like I don't, I don't need that. (laughs) An old fashioned mirror is fine for me.
0: Um, I mean, one of the things I've kind of, I've really noticed, and this must be, I I wonder how much of it's influenced by the pandemic, but the like, for environmental reasons, uh, we're not going to clean your room. Yeah, <laughs> like, you don't know, clean my room because you do not have the staff, or because you don't want to spend the money doing it. Give me a break! But like, this is for environmental reasons, and it's just like, and maybe that's sort another of thing. It's like there's so much greenwashing going on in um in hotels. It's like you know, there's greenwashing going on everywhere. Mean, but hotels mean, are really like. You mean for pretending for environmental to be... reasons? We're doing X, Y, and Z. Right. Okay. Yeah. Or like we are so sustainable. And then, like, are you serious? You're so sustainable. And then you're, like, plastic bottles everywhere, and everyone's being driven around in, like, you know, in golf So that are not even electric. They're, like, gasoline golf carts. And it's just like, give me a break. Uh.
1: (laughs) Well, that was the other thing. Like, I remember staying at a hotel in Tahoe during the pandemic, and everything was closed. Mm -hmm. Like, the restaurant had been closed. Like, the gym was closed and all this other stuff. And then you get your bill and it's like resort fee every day. It's like, I, I couldn't use anything. And you're still going to yeah. charge me? I mean, that's ballsy. Yeah. That's really,
0: hmm. Totally.
1: Have you seen an, a reaction to hotels with Airbnb coming on the scene? And and uh, I think there's been a backlash uh, recently about Airbnb. And you're realizing, because they are, you know, Airbnb people are charging an extra cleaning fee and extra yeah. all this other stuff. Yeah. And then you start to break it down, and you're going, wait, a hotel is sometimes actually cheaper. Yeah. And at least if I arrive at two in the morning, I know there's going to be I can check in. Yeah. It's not the hassle getting a key or anything like that.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, it's. Um, I do both. I mean, we were just up at Whistler skiing after Christmas, and we stayed in a uh, in a Verbo, and it was it was great. But the the whole family was there, and so it's like, yeah, the whole family's there. It's kind of nice, but. Yeah, i just two of you on vacation. I don't know if I want to spend a, a week in a house right. with another person.
1: Unless <laughs> like, you know, you really want to cook for yourself. Right. Or, you know, again, like if it's a family or a group, you have kids and uh, you don't want to eat out every night and that kind of stuff. Yeah. I I get that. Yeah. Or if you have a dog or something. Yeah. I mean, yeah. OK, totally. I get it. But um, no, it's
0: very situational. It's absolutely. Really- um yeah it depends on the place and who you're traveling with and like do you want to cook it's just like the yeah, hotels are super convenient it's right in your room, usually and uh you know the, there's restaurants right there and you can call room service you don't have to mess with dishes and
1: yeah. give me some of your favorite hotels architecturally because you're obviously into architecture and design yeah did you ever walk into a place you're just blowing away like whoa this is totally this-
0: i mean it's like um we just did, a, like, our our favorite hotels of uh, 2022. Um, so that I think the one that came out number one on that was a place in Tulum called Nomad. And um, it's a, it was a treehouse. And you're way up in the trees. And you have to, like, take these stairs up. But it was such a cool – it was just such a cool place. I mean, the whole – architecturally, the whole place was cool. It was a beautiful setting. But that room got <laughs> up in the trees like three sides open. Um, <laughs> that was, that was really, really special. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to an almond resort, but some of the almond resorts are really high end, but they're super. Yeah. It's like just world-class architecture that kind of blows you away. We just did the almond in Bali and, um, what, November? But, so that, that'll be coming out next month. Uh, are they big in India? Um, um, There are a couple in India. They kind of started, the first one was in Phuket, I think. Okay. Um, so it's kind of, uh, it's kind of started out as an Asian, kind of an Asian kind of really high end. And I would say the Amman Resorts are ones that kind of kicked off kind of the super high end boutique-y type of kind of design hotels. And now there's a lot of copycats. Um But um, but yeah, like some of the Amman resorts are really kind of spectacular. The setting and the architecture and the design and things like that.
1: Um, I know, like Amman, and uh, there there are boutique hotel chains. There's a Pally Hotel. There's um, Mm -hmm. uh, was it Kimpton and things Mm -hmm. like that? Yeah, I mean, are are any of those chains or um, type of hotels like a a standby for you? I mean, you stayed in a ton of them. I mean. They have a good, they're consistently decent.
0: It feels more corporate, like a little bit too, like an almond is still like, yes, it's a chain, but there's only like 20 or 30 of them in the world. So, okay, you know, it's a small enough chain and they're like, they do such interesting design and every place is completely unique it doesn't feel cookie cutter at all maybe that's like if it feels cookie cutter maybe i don't want to do it but if it doesn't <laughs> i'm okay with the chain um you know place like six senses and things like that so um it's yeah it's a little bit probably arbitrary like how i cut it off between the chain and not a chain um but uh did i answer your question i'm like kind of well, what the question was now <laughs>
1: give me the give me the highest end What's the most you ever paid for one night in a hotel room? Oh gosh! <laughs> was this in some place like Dubai or or no, New York gosh, I mean, or I Paris? Was just or... In
0: Iceland. I stayed at this place called the Retreat, and that was like fifteen hundred bucks a night. Um, oh, and it's super fancy, super cool. Um, the, I mean, a couple of the almonds have been well north of a thousand bucks. Oh. yeah. So try to not stay there too long. <laughs> <laughs> the, and I'm waiting for those free hotel rooms, but it's going to be yeah happens.
1: What about the the best hotel you got for the cheapest price mm. that you can still look back on and going? I can't believe this is because I stayed one for like thirty dollars a night in Bali where I was in a rice paddy. Yeah, that was uh, incredible. Like I like if this was in America, I would have paid five hundred dollars for it and i think yeah. it was like 35 dollars <laughs>
0: yeah. or something i mean my my sense is like the best where if you want to get like something and this is like this reminds me of like something i want to do is like how, i want to start doing an index Is like what's the like the best or the like the the coolest hotels you're gonna get for the lowest cost and like a place like bali comes to mind because there's so much competition there um and they do it they do hotels so well that like Bali is like would be at the top of my list for a place where you can get something spectacular for not very much money. Um, so and we just like, like our Bali stuff comes out starting next month. So we're we're getting close on that. But yeah, there were definitely um, a couple of places in Bali that were inexpensive. The Uma. bali which is maybe a couple hundred bucks a night which is like in Ubud, which is kind of up in the mountains yeah that's
1: where my hotel was it was Ubud.
0: yeah 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 so that was uh, that that's uh, a really special place um and i'd actually been there 20 years ago or 18 years ago when my daughter was like six months old um so i was like really special going back there because i was like has it changed it was like after 20 years and actually it was still fantastic What's it's your nice dream that hotels can 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 continue can, uh, can continue to be really good?
1: Yeah. What are your uh, some of your bucket list places you haven't been to yet? What's on your list?
0: Mm. Bhutan. You mentioned that. Yeah. <laughs> Bhutan's on the list. Um, I haven't really been to Africa. So. Oh wow. Yeah, I think I want to do a safari at some point. Um, Again,
1: that's Africa. You know, any of those, you get what you pay for yeah you go the, the highest high end and it's in, incredible yeah or you know you can you can rough it yeah. but
0: <laughs> um actually your chinese africa.
1: might help you in africa because you know, the chinese have been buying up africa for 25 years so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you'll see a lot of chinese construction sites when you get yeah.
0: there yeah um it, this is like not really answering your question but like the place that like uh, that I've been to but that I like will always go back to is like is Japan. So I think it's just yeah. like, such a magical place. Um Ecuador. I haven't done that yet. So definitely want to do like a week long cruise on a you know a ship of like you know with ten people, not with ten yeah. thousand. Uh, Galapagos is Ecuador, Galapagos, the whole high. Thing.
1: Yeah, yeah high of mine. So I still haven't been to Egypt.
0: Yeah. That's I always been to high. Yet. I haven't been to Belize. Like, that's coming up.
1: Oh, really? Okay. That's yeah. easy. Belize, that's an easy trip. I
0: know, but I just, it's like it looks so beautiful and I really want to oh. go. Oh, that's
1: great. Um, if you could give like one advice to people when they're like choosing hotel, what do you think they should look for? Because there's so many sites out there other than yours. I mean, <laughs> do we pick out I mean, I read reviews when it comes to things like, you know, I'll go to like hotels.com or something. Yeah. Yeah, when I'm pricing it up, and I'll read the reviews to a again bunch of people I don't know or care yeah. about. But yeah. if I see one consistent thing like noisy, yeah, show up over and over and over again, or cleanliness, or like sketchy neighborhood or whatever, yeah, then that holds some weight, you know. If one guy says it, you know, and they always complain about breakfast, I could care yeah. less <laughs> about the breakfast buffet, right. you know. Exactly. It's the Americans. Well, I don't think the breakfast was, but it's like you're not going to get your waffles <laughs> like you're at the Hampton Inn, you know, where you're in Paris. Come on, you know. So uh,
0: is there a tip I, you I, give people? Yeah. I mean, I guess if uh, you don't want to, because what you're describing is a lot of work. And I think that's one of the problems in like picking a hotel or just travel. It's like, who can you trust? And like, do I really want to read all these different comments? And it's like, so I think one of the things that we're trying to do is, is do some curation for people. I think curation, I think, is hugely valuable. Um, and then show them what it's really like. So I, I think the website that does the best job at like picking out interesting hotels, it's kind of a curation and they kind of give you a really f- good feeling. And I so I said, you know, when I start my research, I there's like four or five websites that I go to, I think that do a really good job of like kind of curating stuff. So it's called iEscape. I think it's i-escape, which is just a website and it's a booking a booking channel, but they, um, I think have really good taste and pick out really cool places.
1: Okay, cool. Um, okay. Now the speed round, what, uh, give me your worst flight experience.
0: Ooh, worst flight experience. Uh, Beijing to Xinjiang, which is the kind of the far Western province on an old Tupelov <laughs> Russian plane that we would, we're, we, we, we thought it was going to crash here three times. It was rough. <laughs> Well, we did oh, bring our we did bring our own wine on board. Like back in the day in China, no one cared about that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. at least we could drink some decent wine and die.
1: Well, yeah. <laughs> well, the guy that lived in China and been to India enough, uh, give me your worst uh, food story, food poisoning story. Ooh.
0: I think it was in Vietnam. Um, oh, okay. Uh, and just <laughs> eating, we probably just being a bit dumb and eating some street food that wasn't you know it was like a lettuce wrap thingy that was like you know it's like if it's not cooked probably don't eat it. Is
1: <laughs> China China I mean, never took you down?
0: bathroom after that?
1: <laughs> oh god, yeah. Cuz you know I talked to a lot of people, you know, India was the one that took me down, but uh you know China really living all those years, what was the craziest thing you ate? Did you ever do the insects or the
0: Oh yeah, so fried scorpions. Wow. Dog. Um that was one of the things so, you know I was doing business and uh so one of the things, you know, you think that like the Chinese aren't big drinkers, but when it comes to business, there's a lot of drinking going on and especially, oh, absolutely. like this really nasty kind of white liquor called baijiu and um so a lot of drinking and then eating a weird food and then like one of the one of the things they like to do to you is like give you something and then tell you after the fact <laughs> like what disgusting thing have you just eaten and you're like uh oh, thank you you could have told me that before, but like sea slugs, which I won't touch, but they tried to feed me and uh mm. dog that I ate, like, and I didn't know until after the fact, definitely fried scorpions, which are fine.
1: Right. Yeah. Mm. I, I wouldn't touch the, um, I draw as a diver. I draw the line on shark fin and things mm. like that. I don't, yes. you know. but yeah, yeah. I mean, people will eat anything. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but, <Sure. laughs> um, where do you think? You know, the the tourism industry, because we talk so much and even a place like Tulum, mm. which is suffering, it's growing very fast. And the development, from what I hear, is getting, it's been years since I've been there, but it's it's getting out of hand, they said. Because yeah. there's no yeah. like zoning, you know, just yeah. like
0: totally overbuilt.
1: And, you know, there's only so many resources going around. Um, you see, as yourself, you're you're traveling slower. You know, do you think that's one thing that can kind of save it? You know, I mean, uh, the pandemic seems to have put that in the minds of a lot of people. Like, you know, maybe I don't need to go to five countries in a week or so and around so much. You know, has it changed you?
0: Um, Has the pandemic changed me, you mean? Or,
1: Or, I mean, do you have you you've slowed down, you said?
0: Yeah, yeah. but that, I mean, that's just more me realizing that I don't need to go for quantity, I should go for quality. Uh right. and I, you know, starting the business and thinking I need to run around and like go to as many places as I can and show off as many hotels. And I'm learning on YouTube that it's better to slow down and make a, a good quality video that's entertaining and interesting to people than like just do like an informational review. Because people like, um, so I think I think my I think the reason I'm slowing down is also because I'm like, I was gonna like yeah, I was going to kill myself trying to do some yeah. of stuff. So I was like, um that's part of it, but
1: but when you're um, in the sustainability, you know, you're in the sustainability business and yeah. and that's the uh, you know, if I have any guilt as a traveler, yeah. Uh, you know, I try to live pretty small and leave a small footprint, but yeah, flying is bad. Yeah. Um, no, I'm,
0: gl- I'm glad you mentioned that because it's uh, I always look for a way to plug like uh, uh, flying carbon neutral. So it's like all our travel like so whenever I book a trip, um, you can buy carbon offsets for your flying. Um, so I usually buy what's 150 percent of what my flight would be. And so that other 50 percent covers like the, um, you know, taking a car and, you know, kind of the carbon emissions from the hotel, blah, blah, blah. blah um and it's not that expensive um so we do try to we have a blog on our website and i do, do try to mention every now and then my videos it's like we try to encourage people to travel carbon neutral because it's like from a carbon perspective there's nothing that we as kind of like you know relatively affluent westerners there's no more harm than we do the environment than flying so um if you can offset that that's um that's a good thing to do okay so finally
1: what do you think all this travel and all your experiences of living abroad and and going around the world what has it taught you about people what mm-hmm. has it taught you about yourself and how has it how has it changed you as a person
0: It's a great question I mean I think like the the easy the easy thing to answer is like about people that they're actually not that different um yeah, it's like I might set the mainland Chinese apart for a second, but uh, you know, it's like almost. And, but that's even true, even in mainland China. They're super nice people. There's like super nice people everywhere, and there's bad people everywhere. And it's just like, um, yeah, and there, it's all a matter of degree. But um, but you know, people are mostly genuinely pretty nice and pretty friendly once you get past kind of you know, hellos and, and things like that. So um, I'm trying to think like, how, how does it change me? Um, I've been traveling for so long, you know, I was living overseas and traveling as part of that. Um, It's the simple answer is just like I'm open to just about any cuisine. So I'll try just about anything except for like I I just don't eat seafood, but it's because I don't like it. But otherwise I'm game. I'm down for just about any kind of cuisine. So I think it's really kind of like really broadened my horizons in in terms of like um, cuisines and things like that. And um, probably make it made me more open minded because I've just been in so many different places. That's great.
1: And uh, open minded is what we need more of, I think. So, yeah. So. Well, thank you for doing this i appreciate it you're welcome and uh stay on the line i'll talk to you in a, after that but i'll wrap this up here so we go to the swank guide and look forward we'll have links to all your sites on uh on our site at travel tales podcast but uh check it out swank guide i'm gonna use it you know if it's in my budget <laughs> <laughs> but i appreciate you doing this and uh yeah thank I'm you happy to,
0: happy to. stay swanked. dry
1: up there thank you don banel everybody